I am excited to be the one who gets to share the word with you this morning. Um, I guess I did a good enough job over the summer because they invited me to do it again. <laughs> so I'm excited to do that. Um, and as it so happens, today is actually my 22nd birthday. Um, so yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, so just for a little, uh, a little birthday present, uh, the church gave me just a little bit of anxiety. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. We actually talked about that a couple weeks ago, uh, Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, uh, but in every situation, uh, or yeah, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Um, and let me tell you, I have been doing a lot of praying this past week, uh, praying for the church, praying for my sermon to share with you guys this morning, um, praying for my family, praying for my schoolwork, um, just all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's probably good because this chapter that I uh, was assigned to preach with you guys this morning is over prayer. Uh, and I really needed that reminder this week uh, because I often find myself kind of neglecting my prayer life because with all of the busyness that's going on um, in our lives, it's very easy to just face our problems head on um, and kind of forget to lift those things up to God. And, or we find ourselves in a situation that we think might need prayer, uh, and we find that praying is just hard or awkward. Um, the best example of this that I can think of, of prayer being hard and awkward, is uh, in any middle school classroom. <laughs> If you're teaching a middle school class, and I love middle schoolers, by the way. I love middle schoolers. But man, if you are teaching a middle school class and you ask if anyone wants to pray, you better get comfortable because you'll be sitting there for a while. Uh, but this isn't just uh, a problem with middle schoolers. I mean, the, the invitation to pray just invites the fear of saying something um, wrong that might make people think you're dumb or... Um, maybe just the awkwardness of seeming to just pray, uh, just talk to yourself. Um, it even took me a lot of time uh, in prayer for me to be able to open up to God in prayer. Luckily, there is a pivotal piece of prayer that I think can help us overcome these inhibitions to pray that I've been talking about. Um, and in, in addition to that, God has actually given us a beautiful template um, for prayer within his word. Uh, but before I get into any of that, I want to preface this message this morning um, by saying that there is no right way to pray. Uh, in our plea to God, we don't need to use the most eloquent speech. Uh, we don't need to have a precise method of points. Prayer should be an open conversation with our Father, um, where we should not be worried that we'll say anything wrong or something that will hurt God. Uh, but where we can discuss all things with him who has power and authority over all things. That being said, praying can still be a very hard task for us to do. Um, and some people, like me, like to be told exactly what they should do, because then if you're told exactly what you should do and you do it, you're good. So <laughs> luckily, Jesus gives us a template to use when we pray. Uh, there are a lot of things about prayer that we could talk about, uh, God's reception of our prayers, why we pray, uh, the different forms that prayer can take. Um, there's many different aspects of prayer, um, but I think a good starting place for us is with Jesus' Jesus's own teaching on how to pray, what is in a prayer. So we are going to be spending a lot of time today 
working through the Lord's Prayer. Um, this is found in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Um, there's, it's also found in a couple different places in the Gospels, but this is where we're going to land today. Um, while you're turning there, um, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, I'll just give you a little bit of background. So Jesus is giving a long sermon about the truth that he represents. Uh, and surrounding this passage, he's gearing up to explain the hypocrisy uh, of the Pharisees and uh, their teaching of the law and just worship practices in general. Um, and so whenever he comes to this passage, he is explaining, don't pray like them. They pray just to be heard by men and heard by the world, not by God. Instead, pray like this. Matthew 6, 9 through 13 says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. As we, as, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is such a beautiful prayer. Um, and this morning, I'm going, as we work through it, I'm going to divide it into four different parts. Uh, the first part is relationship. The second part is prayer up. The third part is prayer out. And the fourth part is prayer in. So I'm sure you've heard of this prayer um, in some sort, or maybe even experienced it in some sort of sports setting. I know when I was in high school, uh, there were a lot of schools around in the area that would say the Lord's Prayer in the locker room before football games. Um, and I am not saying that this is a bad thing, uh, but I do think it's kind of overlooking a crucial aspect of the prayer. Uh, the, it's the very first thing that Jesus mentions, uh, the relationship with the Father. I, it's, I don't know if it's just me, but I kind of find it hard to imagine that with all the adrenaline pumping through the, the football player's blood as they're about to go out onto the field, they're thinking of the pure and divine relationship between them and the Father as they pray this prayer. I don't know, maybe that's just me. Um, but this is, that's a really pivotal part of this prayer. They're most likely thinking of how hard they're going to go out and just hit the other players. <laughs> I don't know if that's just my experience. Uh, but in this prayer, Jesus starts off from the very beginning saying, Our Father in heaven. He is establishing the beautiful father-son relationship that we now share with God through him. I don't know if any of you remember uh, the last sermon I preached over the summer. Um, it, was about it was about love. Um, but in that sermon, one of the critical points of love that I mentioned is communication. Uh, and God wants to have a loving relationship with us, um, and one of the foundational blocks of that relationship is communication. So as we form our prayers, it's important to recognize the loving relationship between us and the Father. But I know that I would be naive if I was to assume that everyone in here can imagine what a loving fatherly relationship looks like. Um, I am very blessed to have a, an earthly father that showed me the love of God as I was growing up. Um, but if you haven't, um, I want to let you know that God, your heavenly father, does love you, and he cares for you, and he longs to have a relationship with you. And in recognizing that God is a loving father um, that wants to be in this conversation with us, it, I think it would kind of break down the formality and obligation that we feel to praying. Um, it would help us just open up and 
have an easier time communicating with a father. So, for the next minute or so, I want us to all focus on this first part of Jesus' prayer and pray. Um, and pray to God specifically about the relationship between you and the Father. Thank you all for doing that. Um, we're actually going to be doing something like that um, after each of the parts of prayer that we're going to be talking about this morning. Um, because I think it's really easy for me to just come up here and just talk to you guys about prayer. Um, but it's another thing entirely to actually practice what we're talking about. Um, and so I think it, I hope it will be beneficial for us to be doing that in between each time this morning. Okay, so let's look at the next part of the model prayer. Now, the second phrase of verse 9 is, hallowed be your name. This is the part of the prayer that I call praying up. When Jesus is saying, hallowed be your name, he is lifting up the name of God and expressing the power that the name of the Lord contains. And when we are praying, uh, or yeah, when we pray, we are talking to the almighty God who created the whole universe, infinite and yet imminent, and he is longing to have a conversation with you. So in that time when we stop and collect ourselves and speak to him and listen to him, he is there. Um, and it is in this part of our prayers that we recognize how big God really is. Um, how he is over all and in all of our situations. And he is powerful and we praise his name in our prayers. And similarly to how recognizing God as Father should change your prayers, recognizing God as Almighty should also change your prayers. Um, the recognition of how incredible God is often leads us to a place of thanksgiving. Knowing how awesome God is, is uh, it really gives us a new appreciation for the things that we have in our lives that we don't even really deserve. I love the prayers of kids. 
when you ask them to pray, uh, they'll usually go on and just start listing everything that pops into their mind. Um, I know whenever I was a kid, uh, I would pray, whenever I was asked to pray, I would pray for everyone in my family by name, and there's a lot of us, so that took a while. Uh, I would pray for my school teachers, for my school friends, for my church friends, for the people who were staying at our house at the time, whatever it was, whoever popped into my head, I would pray for. And I feel like that's kind of an, an innate thing in kids. And they say that whenever you uh, become a dad, you get a lot of uh, uh, sermon illustrations from your kids. But I've found that being an uncle works pretty well, too. Uh, so one time, I was staying with my sister and her three sons. And the oldest son, Everest, he was praying over all of us for uh, our meal. And he was doing his thing, you know, praying for everyone, praying for all of his friends by name, praying that my little sister Sarah would have a safe flight back to California. Um, and then he said, and thank you, God, for, for David being home and playing with me. <laughs> it's so cute. That's exactly what I said. It was so adorable. Every time I think about that, it just melts my heart. Uh, he was so thankful to God that I was there to just spend time with him. Um, and this just makes me think of how much it must please God to hear us thanking him for him being with us. Um, for all the things that he provides us with his infinite wisdom and power. Uh, I imagine that that feels something like how my nephew's prayer did for me. So, just as last time, uh, I want us to take a minute and pray up. Uh, exalt and praise the name of the Lord like we did in the songs we sang this morning. Um, and let that exaltation lead you to a place of thanksgiving. All right, thank you all once again. So, this next section that we're looking at, uh, it comes from verse 10. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. This is the praying out. Uh, Jesus is moving to a deep understanding of God's plan for the whole world. Um, he is praying that the will of God, as it is perfect and beautiful, uh, may be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
he is stating that he wants to join with God in his mission throughout the world. And I am actually really excited that I get to broaden my understanding of God's global mission this summer. Um, I'm actually going to be interning in the United Arab Emirates city of Dubai this summer um, for about 10 weeks. Um, I will be back. Don't worry. I don't know if you were worried, but I will be back. <laughs> um, uh, and in this church, it's amazing. It uh, has about 20 different countries that are represented in this one church. Um, and so I think that experiencing this diversity and the beauty of God's work in people's lives around the globe is just going to be incredible. Um, and if you want to more, talk more about that, I would love to talk uh, with you about that afterward. Or um, I actually wrote up a thing in the church's newsletter for March, if you signed up for that. Keep an eye out. Um, but this praying out makes us take a step back and look at the bigger picture of God's work in the world. He is not only working incredible things here in our sphere of influence, but also in places around the world that we might have not even thought about before. Um, and by aligning ourselves with that immense mission of God, we're not only glorifying God, but we're lifting up our fellow believers around the world as well. And so praying out also includes praying for others. Uh, this is, actually has a Christianese word called intercessory prayer. Um, and there's this guy, his name is Douglas V. Steer. He wrote a book called Prayer and Worship, which is pretty on point for this sermon. Um, and he explains this idea of intercessory prayer really well with really beautiful language. So I'm just going to read what he wrote. He wrote, For when we hold up the life of another before God, we expose it to God's love. When we pray for its release from drowsiness, for the quickening of its inner health, for the power to throw off a destructive habit, for the restoration of its free and vital relationship with its fellows, for its strength to resist temptation, for its courage to continue against sharp opposition. Only then do we sense what it means to share in God's work, in his concern. Only then do the walls that separate us from others go down, and we sense that we are, at bottom, all knit together in a great and intimate family. So again, as before, uh, I want us to practice praying out. Uh, focus your prayers on the global mission of God as well as those around you. Uh, miming the example of Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
Thank you all, once again. Um, so finally, we have the biggest chunk left, uh, verses 11 through 13. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. These last few verses are the praying in section. Jesus is praying these last words as an example of a plea to God for forgiveness and heart transformation that only he can provide. Asking for forgiveness is not an easy task. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we perform actions daily that go directly against what God has designed for us to do. This makes it really hard for us to come to him and confess those sins and ask for forgiveness. And this can become a huge wall between us and our relationship with God, and our willingness to pray to him can go down the drain. So here, Jesus gives uh, the example of coming to God and looking inward and laying yourself before God so that he can make a transformation in your inmost being through the incredible gift that we receive called grace and the promise of a new life through his resurrection. And what I love about this is that Jesus turns right back and says, just as I have forgiven you, now it's your turn. And man, is that a hard prayer. Forgiving others is a huge wall that we have to get over. But again, Jesus, in his perfect wisdom, moves right to asking God for help. He says, I know this is going to be hard, so I'll ask, or ask for help and I'll help you. Now, there are actually a lot of verses in the Bible that tell us that uh, if we pray for things that align with God's will, he's, he's totally down to help us out. Uh, there are prayers for wisdom. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Prayers for the Holy Spirit. Uh, Luke 11.13, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Um, then there's prayer for escape from temptation. Uh, Luke 22.40, and when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. That one's pretty straightforward. Uh, and then there's prayer for the ability to promote Jesus. Matthew 9.37-38, through 38. then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus is giving us the perfect example of prayer. And this includes looking into yourself and seeing where you need to ask for his forgiveness, where you need to forgive yourself, where you need to forgive others, and the power to do all three of those things. So, just like last time, um, I want to ask you to do just that. Uh, practice praying inward.
thank you all for practicing these this morning. Um, thank you for practicing these just small, intimate times of prayer. Um, and I hope that practicing will lead to integration, um, that you will start to integrate these kinds of things into your own prayer life. Um, I feel like that would be very beneficial. Um, but again, I want to be very clear that I do not believe that prayer should be some formulaic practice uh, where we should all do it the exact same way. Uh, this is just a template that Jesus gives us to pray from our hearts and to allow for us a way uh, to be in constant communication with him. So I want to leave you with this this morning. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have heard the Armor of God passage in Ephesians 6, uh, whether it was in a class or in a VBS as a kid. Um, it's a, a fairly common couple of verses with a really good message and, frankly, a very easy lesson outline. <laughs> so uh, there was something as I was reading this that kind of stood out to me that I hadn't really uh, noticed before or really put a lot of thought into. Uh, it's the last couple of verses of this passage. Um, probably because I was imagining what a real sword of the Spirit would look like. Um, but Ephesians six thirteen through 18 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Paul ends the armoring up by asking them to pray. We armor up for this battle and the battle is done through prayer. Prayer through our relationship with God, through praying up, through praying out, and through praying in. So as we leave this morning, I just want to pray over us the Lord's Prayer one more time. Just pray with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Amen.